Whiskey 61 Lounge inside the Bank Plus Studio. You are listening to Mississippi's number one sports talk show, The Out of Bounds Show with Bo Bounds. Streaming worldwide live on the Out of Bounds Radio app and on your radio at ESPN 105.9. The Soul. The text line is on fire. Thank you. The Ag Up Equipment text line is on fire. Love it. Oh, good morning. Welcome in. Uh, The show, the Out of Bounds show. I'm your host, Bo Bounds. Is brought to you by the amazing steaks and seafood. Six private dining rooms. Kessler Prime in the Renaissance. Visit KesslerPrime.com. To, uh, to make a reservation, KesslerPrime.com, where ESPN 105.9 The Zone. Um, not sure what Jason was thinking today as he, uh, or what you were thinking a couple of years ago at that thrift <laughs> store when you picked out that Tampa Bay Buccaneers t-shirt, uh, golf shirt. Uh, it's more of a polo. It's not a golf, it's not cool enough fit oh. or, you know, style designed to be a golf shirt it's more of a 1984 eyes look with all these colors from the buccaneers which i didn't even know they had some of those an eyes look uh-huh. you say wow see i would i'd go more like bowling shirt it's almost. more rough hewn yeah it is more of a bowling shirt it's more bowling yeah but the slander on this shirt Will not be tolerated. What's up? This shirt's a cool shirt. You grew up with this kind of style. Yes, I did. And, I did. And now you're, now you're hating on it. Like, what do you? This I've is always what you were, said that the the eighties were ugly. Whoa. Yeah, that's what's in. I mean, right some now. of the movies were. We we've talked about the movies. Some of the other things: the NBA, Bird, Magic, eventually Jordan, Isaiah, um, Montana, and the NFL. Uh, Ricky Henderson, MLB. Um, you know, but Dale Murphy, I mean, is there, is there a better American? Um, yeah. So we, we had some good stuff. College football wasn't, it wasn't bad. It wasn't, it was good. It was good. Oklahoma, Miami, SEC was good. Far from great. Cause bear retired and, uh, Pat Dye took over. He just couldn't win a national championship, but LSU, nah, roller coaster. Tennessee, roller coaster. So Auburn owned the 80s. They just didn't get the big hardware. Mm. So uh, Pat Dye and Johnny Majors and let me think, Emery Ballard, Billy Brewer. Uh, no, 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 no. Bill Curry, um, Ray Perkins, um, Vince Dooley, eventually Ray Goff. Uh, who else am I missing? Vanderbilt doesn't count. Kentucky, I can't even remember. Um, oh, they had that longtime coach they let hang around because they didn't care. But anyway, those guys wore what you're wearing well. They wore it well, no doubt. Am I not pulling they this off? They almost had like stiff collars on some of those. You, do you, you don't remember like some of them wore polos or coaching mm-hmm. polo shirts with like some big honker 
collars. Serious starch too. So Yo, they stand. <laughs> Emery's looked like that thing had been. It could you could take it off. It'd stand up. <laughs> right, right. Uh, what, what do they say? Hanger or not? It's looking just like that. You remember that in college? Y'all may not have done it. Y'all may have gotten past that and and a much cooler, you know, much cooler fabric. Okay. Okay. But when you were in Startville and Oxford in the uh, in the nineties, and you would get your um, clothes laundered. Um, they would put so much starch in it, you couldn't drive a um a butt knife through the shirt. Jeez, yeah, that's uh, when people ask how much Seriously, starch you could you could take it off, you know, and hopefully you were having some fun that weekend. But you could take it off and and get up the next morning after a big game day weekend, whether that was Saturday or Sunday, and your clothes are just standing up. You just walk right back in them. <laughs> well, what's to the- go? You know. Get a Gatorade as you were dehydrated. Why? Well, like, what's the, what was the big I thing think that's a starch? great question. <laughs> why? I think that's a great question. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why that polo you're wearing would ever be designed. So that's a great quote. Oh, that's point. different. That's different. This is style. That's a, you know damn well that's not style. What are you talking about? It's not. We talk, we that's literally, terrible. we broke down the it's, style. It's purple. Some kind of purple off crimson purple. mixed in with stripes, what? white in the middle with some gray on the side and red Buccaneers uh, flag. Yeah, come on. This looks hand-stitched. This is a sick shirt. Yeah, embroidered. Out of bounds, ESPN <laughs> 105.9 The Zone. Let's talk college football playoff format. Um, I don't want to surprise you. They can't get on the same page, but I want to get back into it. You get the sense right now, and this changes on a daily basis. And and I'm just referencing Ross Dellinger and ESPN.com, mm-hmm. okay? Um, but Ross is with Yahoo and ESPN.com is all over this too. That they're they're wanting to go to a 14 team playoff, and and the big you know, I don't know the the big bear in the room. Y'all were the Bears for a while, right? While is a strong word. Yeah. Land shark, <laughs> Bears, Rebels. Uh, but the big bear in the room is h- how the SEC and Big Ten are compensated compared to everybody else and how many at-large to automatic qualifiers. Okay. Now, if the Big Ten and SEC had their way, they would say, okay, the SEC champion gets in and the Big Ten championship gets in, and then the rest is at large. All right, which I love that. I, you know, I like that. I, I think that's a that's a good format. It gives you 12 spots. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we still haven't figured out, and I cannot believe that they can't do this, and I cannot believe that the G5 can't see this. Um, I guess there's just enough money that if one G5 team gets in to get smoked in the first round, I guess there's just enough money there uh, from the $1.3 billion that ESPN has uh, bought this bad boy for um, per year, or Disney, um, that it's worth, let's see, spend an average of nearly, oh, $1.3 billion on the playoff for six seasons, sorry. And I guess there's just enough money for G5 to to want to be a part of it rather than have their own playoff. To me, again, if I'm Southern Miss or Coastal Carolina, and I've talked about this, or North Texas or La Lafayette, 
I want my own national championship. I want an opportunity to win three games in the playoffs mm-hmm. and hoist that trophy and say we are the national champions of the G5. Knowing that a G5 team will never win the college football playoff. Um, Notre Dame is in here. Um, they want to write it up to where just Notre Dame, if they finish in the top 14 rankings, then they're in. I think they should be left out. They, yes. They'll never win it. Um, no. Notre Dame will, will that, that ship has sailed. So 1988 will be Notre Dame's last college football national championship. Did I get that? Yeah. 88 with Lou Holtz. He, he, he lobbied for them to kind of change the rules a little bit academically. And they were able to slip some players in. And then they buttoned that thing back up, I think. Once Bob, uh, Bob Davey, I think, was, was hand. In fact, you know who coached under Bob Davey, Jason? Who's that? I'm going to give you a guess. Who coached under Bob Davey? Yeah. Notre Dame head coach after Lou Holtz. Mm. I'm just going to throw out possible Mike Leach. No. Dan Mullen. And Urban Meyer. Wow. Urban Meyer was an assistant under Bob Davey before getting the job at Bowling Green. And Dan Mullen was a GA under Urban. And that's what started the Bowling Green to Utah to Florida thing. Eventually, obviously, Urban to Ohio State and Dan to Mississippi State. That's insane. I know. It all starts with Notre Dame, huh? It all starts with (laughs) Notre Dame. There you go, man. I could see Dan at Notre Dame. He probably missed that window. Mm -hmm. He'd do well there, though. Quarter zip? Yeah. yeah. Come on. No no doubt. The Out of Bounds Show is brought to you by Mississippi Sports Medicine and Orthopedic Center. Good morning. Welcome in. Fred Smoot at 830. Ross Dellinger at 930. Good morning. Welcome in. Out of Bounds, 105.9 The Zone ESPN. What do you think about a 14-team playoff? How would you structure it? We know we need the G5 to not be a part of it. They need their own playoff. I don't know why they can't get that together. Evidently, that's not going to get done. Um, We need a Power 5 commissioner. We need a G5 commissioner Um, or CEO, however you want to frame it up. This is not within the uh, underneath the NCAA umbrella, though. As you know, the college football playoff is its own entity. I'm not sure there's a better job in sports than what Bill Hancock does, which is virtually nothing, but gets paid an insane amount of money, millions and millions of dollars, to head up the college football playoff. I do want to let you know that the college football playoffs two leadership groups, if you will, uh, one is the board of managers made up of presidents and chancellors. And the other is a management committee, commissioners, and Notre Dame leadership. That who That's who has to come to a decision on the format to get the deal done. They want to get it done in the next couple of weeks. According to one source, and I quote, there's a lot of pressure to get it done or stop talking about it. <laughs> ESPN uh, is poised to spend an average of nearly $1.3 billion on the playoff for six seasons. Fox really didn't make a run at it. Mm. Still a question I have. 
I mean, Fox is the one that's rolling. Disney is the one that's hemorrhaging, you know, on a couple of fronts. Uh, but Disney owns all of your SEC rights now, really, today. We all know that we're, we're leaving CBS in the 230-330 game to go to ABC and more ABC primetime along with more ABC mid-afternoon and then, of course, everything else that's on ESPN and the SEC network, right. whether it's Dogs, Rebs, or anybody else. And we're adding two teams. One is an absolute m- m- monster. I mean, it's one of the top three biggest brands in all of collegiate athletics, Texas. Maybe the biggest. Could make that argument. Yeah. Um, biggest brand in the SEC. Ooh, I don't know if I'd. Well, I mean, when you talk about brands, I I think of most successful programs. Well, are, just you're in, talking different then. Because going I, success, but Bama, while Bama is a big brand, I was thinking like LSU or Florida, compared to Texas. No, Texas still. Yeah. Wow. Now, if you're talking success, then you're going LSU. Mm-hmm. And then kind of a push between Florida and Texas. I mean, right. I, I know Florida's got two in the 2000s. Texas has one, played for one. They both decide to fall off the map. <laughs> but Texas made the college football playoff. Granted, out of a crazy easy conference. You know, they're... I really think Oklahoma's in for a rude awakening. Sark's got an advantage. Um, well, he's got an advantage because he's in Texas and in Austin. But Sarkeesian, and they're Texas. But he's got an advantage because um, he's been there longer than Venables. And that matters. Um, you know, right off the top of my head, I kind of go Texas, Ohio State, Michigan, Southern Cal. As a top four biggest, like, brands? Yeah. Outside of those, where would you go in the SEC? Yeah, so no original SEC. Georgia, Bama. Bama is such an anomaly. What an outlier. Small state. Tuscaloosa's cool. You know, it's fun. I mean, North River's got an insane amount of wealth. Golly. I mean, I spent a couple of days over there last summer with my friend and... You know, we jumped on the pontoon boat, and I mean, I, it's it's really hard to wrap your brain around in, in rural America how many multi-million dollar homes are in on that lake. But still, all again, they don't care about bands and culinary and five-star, three-star, whatever cuisine. They just care about winning football. That's it, Saturdays. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why they win more than the others who care about that. Um, you know, don't you kind of feel like if Florida got it going just in a red hot second, they would be the big, they would be the second biggest brand behind Texas? Yeah, even jumping Georgia, Bama, and LSU for all that they've done the last fifteen years. You kind of get that sense. I wonder. I always say, you know, has the ship sailed for the Florida Gators? But then I think their endowment, their enrollment, top ten public university, they're cool. They're in mm-hmm. sunshine. Their colors. They're, and, and then I think. I don't know if they're ever, you know, it's been since 08. What, what are we going to do? You know, that that feels like a lifetime ago. Right. 
But I also, big brands, you sleep on them, and then all of a sudden they come up and they're monsters in five seconds where it takes a state Ole Miss, you know, Auburn, Tennessee-type program. It takes you a while to build, build, build. Yeah. And there's there's virtually no staying power. You want to you make a good three- to four-year run and then, you know, see what you can do. Uh, I mean, look, it took it took Kirby, what, a year? Basically. He goes eight and five his first year, and he's within a whisker of winning it all the second year. Right? Saban, it took him two years. Mm-hmm. He goes six and six. The next year, he's in the SEC championship game against Tebow. They get beat. The next year, he beats Tebow and advances. It's like it, it felt like it took five minutes at Bama. LSU, they're so good. and They may be the best in the league as far as being able to get good, get national championship level fast, even over uh, Georgia and Bama mm-hmm. and Texas and Florida, in that, one, because of their state, as, as talent-rich as we are compared to our population, they, they produce... I know they're bigger population-wise, but even per population, they, they're just better athletically. Yeah. Think about, I mean, when you say this out loud, they are so good that Ed Ogeron was able to lead them to not only a national championship, but arguably the best season in the history of our sport. The greatest team, arguably. I mean, after the first quarter and five minutes, they dominated Clemson and Trevor Lawrence. And Clemson had a just crazy amount of NFL talent on that on the field. Mm-hmm. And if that game would have gone another quarter, ugly. <laughs> ugly. Yeah. I mean, I think that's when Dabo realized, oh, wow. Oh, wow. I mean, we, we've we been the darling of college football, and we just walked in here, and LSU went, was asleep the first quarter, and they dominated us with Ed Ogeron as the head coach. <laughs> I understand Joe Brady was the OC, Dave Aranda, excellent D.C., Arguably top five, six, seven of the two thousands, but I want you to think about that. LSU. Um, to me, they may be the program that can get good, get great. Excuse me, not good. Good's ten, nine and three. Yeah, they're mad about what they did last year. Not interested. They went ten and three. Didn't interest them whatsoever. Don't they don't even remember? Nobody does bowl games, but because it's all playoffs now, they don't even remember what bowl game they were in. Wow. But Texas has never proven that to us, Jason. They've never they've never proven that they got the toughness that it runs in their blood and that they're as committed as LSU, Bama, and now Georgia. Mm-hmm. They've never proven that. Bama, they live and they live and breathe it. LSU, they live and breathe it. And now Georgia does that Kirby isn't in, um injected that kind of toughness and commitment and We'll do whatever it takes to win at the highest level. Oh, yeah. Easily. I mean, and that's a good point about LSU because it makes it look like you can walk in and win there. <laughs> I mean, Florida, you have to have one of the greatest coaches this century to win a couple. I mean, Georgia, got to have one of the greatest coaches of this century to win. I mean... Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great point. Can Florida or Georgia... Or Bama win with a, but Auburn did it for one one time. But LSU did it twice with Les Miles and Ed Ogeron. See, that tells me LSU is is just different. Oh no, we're hoping to track down Fred Smoot somewhere in the Washington D.C. area. Ross Dellinger. 
at uh, now. Oh, Dave Bar two at nine fifteen on some gambling. Good morning, welcome in. Forgot I switched pullovers. Feel pretty good about it. Little hoodie. It's chilly, man. I just walked out to the car. It's still cold. That's not awesome. I, I'm I'm done with that. Have you looked at this weekend's weather, Hot Shot? Hot Shot. <laughs> I have not, but now it's what, looking... Did you not uh, like that? I like, I like the Hot Shot. Saturday and Sunday are looking pretty good, honestly. Saturday looks good. High of 70. Mm-hmm. That's smashing crawfish at mud bugs. Sunny? Yeah. Come on. SEC hoops. Cold beer? Uh, yes. Check. I'm going to the Pelicans game tomorrow night. Should I get a Zion jersey or Brandon Ingram? Ooh, go Zion. Or Come on. Oh, should I go? Or you can bring the old school Chris Paul. Chris Paul. I got to <laughs> yeah. see him several times. Really? Oh, I, I went to, um, this was like, I don't remember these years. Oh, one, oh, two, oh, three. Uh, I, I was working for a company out of Baton Rouge. They had season tickets to the, what were they then? The Hornets? I think. Yes. I think they were the Hornets then. Yeah. And I went down, I, we'd go down to see Chris Paul play. Wow. It was awesome. He's one of my favorite players of all time. Um, let me look at New Orleans real quick. When he was with uh, yeah. Lob City, when he was with the Clippers, and you had Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan and Chris Paul and, yep. and Jamal Crawford. Yeah. that And, you know, Mo Williams was on that team for a little bit. Local guy, now Jackson State head coach. Uh, Jackson Academy just won the overall title because of well, more than that, but his sons are unbelievable. I, that's what I've heard. Yeah. His, uh, his older son, by the way, coming back for a second season of Church League basketball. So I'm going to have a record-breaking year in assists. The one that's just, I guess, just finished his junior year? No, he's uh, his son, oh, like Kadarius. college kid. Right, yeah, he's my age. So he went to high school, or elementary and high school with me, and we would always steal him for Church League basketball games whenever we were in the playoffs. Oh, you're a thief. Exactly, because we were always the eighth seed. So then we'd get KD and a couple more high school basketball players to join our team for the playoffs when we played the one seed and we always beat the one seed. So KD's our secret weapon here. And it right. sounds like his brothers are pretty solid at what they do. Too. Yeah, no, they're, they're good. <laughs> um, that was a big championship for, um, uh, for Jackson Academy yesterday and East Rankin. East Rankin won two. MRA was in both championships. Congratulations to all four teams. And I saw the ball being played down at the uh, Jackson Coliseum or Mississippi Coliseum. Yeah. So we are the Out of Bounds Show. We're driven by your next Ford F-150 truck. Mack Hike Ford, I-55 North in Jackson. Mack Hike Ford, I-55 North in Jackson, pre-owned or new uh, they've got the best selection of Ford F-150 trucks. And, I mean, all the colors that you want and then uh, all the amenities that you want as part of your Ford F-150 truck. Mack Hike Ford, I-55 North in Jackson. We had Tom Luganbill on earlier in the week, and he was talking about Jeff Levy's offense, and he did a heck of a breakdown because Luganbill's followed Baylor from years ago with RG3 all the way through this whole uh, Levy, Heupel, Kiffin, 
Bryles, Kendall, all these guys running the Baylor offense, which is, I guess, arguably the hottest, most prolific offense right now in all of college football. Make a strong argument of that. This is Tom Luganbill talking Levy's offense. Jeff Levy's going to want to run the football. He, he is. But he's not going to do it from a look of a, a, a power formation, 22 personnel, 12 personnel, um, 13 personnel. He is going to do it with a lot of smoke and mirrors, and there's going to be a lot of backfield action. There's going to be a lot of motion and shifts, a variety of personnel groupings, and then a heavy dose of inside zone and guard tackle, uh, tackle H-back pulling counter. That's kind of the, that's, that's the recipe in the run game. But the, the pass sets up the run because I think what they'll, they'll do a really good job of, and this is regardless of who the quarterback is, is they will get the ball out on the perimeter really, really quick. And they will try to thin out the box, spread you wide, get the ball out on bubble screens and quick hitters and things of that nature, and lighten up the box and then set up the run. That's kind of been a staple of, of that offense. Uh, Jeff Levy and Lane Kiffin were with each other. Not every day, but 90% of the time. A while. For two years. I can't ever remember this happening between Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Um, you know, Ole Miss fans fell in love with Levy early. I mean, all you heard about Levy this, Levy that, Le- you know, all that. And that first round of, oh, my gosh, we may lose Lane Kiffin. It was everywhere you'd go to lunch, other things, dinner, afternoon, neighborhood. It was, we'll, we're just going to name Levy in five seconds and keep keep everything rolling. And Matt Corral went, you know, he was the one that would tell people, you know, but because I, Corral's with Levy every, I mean, Lane's with the quarterbacks a lot. Mm-hmm. But Corral and Levy are together all the time. And... You know, Lane still likes to go down to Boca Raton for a few weeks at a time here, come back a few weeks at a time. And but the assistant coaches don't have that luxury. They're there all the time. So they're he's with Corral more. Right. I think it adds um again, I think it adds even more to the rivalry because Lebby and Kiffin know each other really well. Especially, I think, Levy to Kiffin. Um, You know, Kiffin's running the whole thing. He's already established. He's already a big name. Um, He's already, from the Southern Cal days and the Raiders days and the Tennessee deal and Mm -hmm. leaving to go to Southern Cal and all the, we watched him on the sidelines as he would shrug his shoulders and and do all the things that he would do at Alabama while Nick Saban would take a chunk out of his, you know, left butt cheek. And then nobody watched him at Florida Atlantic, but you knew he was doing some good things. And then all of a sudden he's the old Miss coach and he's rolling. Um, to me, I mean, think about this, Jason. It, this is one of the most intense rivalries in the country because we're a small state and they're only 90 miles apart. And a large percentage of the state is either Mississippi State or Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Now we have Bama and LSU and you know Auburn and South, well Southern Miss, no doubt. 
That's thousands and thousands and thousands of people. But uh, you don't see something like this where somebody is an offensive coordinator for the other team's head coach and has success, then leaves to go to an even bigger blue blood program of Oklahoma Mm -hmm. and then comes in and takes over at the other school, the rival. I, it, it, the storylines for days. Yeah. Uh, who was the, was it Duty Noble that coached at both Ole Miss and Mississippi State? Yes. I was trying to think of, you know, if there was any other names that I could think of that have coached at both, whether it was head coach or just coach in general. Yes, he did. Because this seems pretty unprecedented. Uh, no question. <laughs> uh, Pat Dye was an assistant under Paul Bear Bryant. And then became the head coach at Auburn, but he was a Georgia alum. And had an unbelievable run at Auburn, Jason. Unbelievable. Like I told you, they, there were two teams in the 80s that should have won the national championship that he coached. Um, And he was so successful, Jason, that Bama alums had to run him out of the state of Alabama on NCAA infractions. No, I mean, he he was running the... It wasn't Georgia, it wasn't Bama, and it wasn't LSU. In the, From 82 to 90, 91, Bama did win it in 92 under Gene Stallings. But from 82 to 91, it was the Auburn Tigers. Wow. And then they ran him out. Somebody taped somebody. I don't know. The Birmingham Bama alums were like, we have to get rid of this guy because he is a better recruiter than Ray Perkins and Bill Curry. And all the assistant coaches. <laughs> what was it that Coach... Coach... But I think it was the lead assistant. So I don't know when Coach Bryant came in on Bo Jackson. But they basically were something like, well, I, I, we think that you'll be the guy by your junior year. And the Auburn staff was like, you'll play right now. Yeah. <laughs> right now. Right now. You know, day one, practice. Just come on out. Uh, that was that was before. You can't imagine this. This, you know, Bo Jackson probably showed up at Auburn on like August 4th. You know, wow. for a year. Well, uh, let, uh, I want you to think about how this all worked. And I'll have to ask like John Bond when he joined the Mississippi State football team or Reggie Collier, John, uh, blah, 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 John Forkade. But you have to remember this, Jason. Most of them didn't get to campus till like late July or early August as freshmen. Then the big deal was to get them on campus June 1 for two summer school um, sessions. And now it's 80, 90% of them get there on January 5th or 10th. Yeah. I was about to say, a lot of these kids are graduating high school early now. Well, yeah, and it's been happening and, for years. Yeah. I mean, some guy named Eric Ziegler or Ziger or something for Georgia did it like in 90. Oh, I, 90 or not. You can look it up, Jason. 90 or 91. I think it was right after Dooley. I think it was under Ray Goff. And he was a quarterback. I think he wore number 10. I wonder if that's what Fran Tarkenton wore at Georgia. But anyway, he was all, high, you know, people were talking about him. And 
I'm pretty sure that he graduated at Christmas. This is early 90s. I'll tell you somebody who, who didn't graduate early. This will throw you off. Peyton Manning. Like yeah. he, he enrolled at Tennessee, I'm assuming, sometime in the summer after his senior year. Eli Manning. Mm-hmm. He, he went ahead and went to Newman all the way through. Uh, I will tell you one of the first in this state. Dak actually enrolled in January. Really? He did. And I'm sure there was an old Miss or think, Mississippi State guy even before then because that's a little late. Uh, what was Dak's enrollment? 2011? January or 20, 2011, I think, January, maybe. That sounds about right. It, yeah, I Red think... Redshirt uh, year, maybe 11. I know Shea Patterson did also. Roll miss. Shea Shea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the who was supposed Shizman. to be the, the second coming. <laughs> so y'all have hyped some players over the years. No doubt. I mean, no good doubt. grief. But Shea may be... I don't know. That's a heck of a battle competition. But Shea Patterson may be, may be the most hyped recruit. You know who I used to hype up all the time? Okay, let me give me a hint so that I can guess because I've lived this for, well, my whole life since I can kind of remember life at six or seven years old. But as a 20-year uh, sports media, whatever I am. <laughs> uh, recent, recent wide receiver, I constantly kept saying, next year's got to be his year. Next year's got to be his year. He he tests like crazy. He tests out of the roof. But in games, he never really showed up unless it was against a really bad Minga? Jonathan Minga. Uh, I kept thinking because I was like, oh, this guy, you know, he's got what it takes to be the next Laquan. He's got what it takes to, you know, fill the shoes of AJ or DK. You know, look at the specimen. Yeah. I and hate then, to tell you this. He was, that was never, I mean, I hinted at this when he was coming out of Brandon. He was never that guy. He looks so good at Brandon. Well, looking is a totally different deal. Right. You know, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, being at the beach. And on a scale of 1 to 10, you see someone walk by and she's a 15. All right? And then you hang out, you go back to the condo, and you realize she's got a cocaine and pill problem. <laughs> Both. Okay? Both. I mean, these things happen. You know, some some guys are smart enough to punch the eject button. Some guys go all in, right? And, That's a good and point. Two, <laughs> two and a half, three years later, they wonder why it's all, you know, why their life's a mess. Where the munchkins came from. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's funny that you throw out Mingo. But, but that's your, I mean, your, your, your mid-20s. Right. And now, you know, he's around my age also. And so there was well, that a, makes sense. And there was a lot of scouting on him too. I mean, he was supposed to be the guy. He was never that. He was never AJ Brown. But he was he was never Laquan Treadwell. Okay, no, he never was. But he, no, no, no. I mean, he never flashed that at Brandon. But he was supposed to be the number one. How about that? At least he was supposed to be the number one at Ole Miss. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, everybody expected Jonathan Mingo to come in and be. I mean, did I think he would be better than he was? Yes. Um, did I ever think he would have that refined and advanced game of AJ Brown, who could step foot on campus and? was an absolute dog from day one, or Laquan, who was a bona fide, surefire SEC starter day one. I mean, 
Before the, you saw him play, yes. <laughs> Before you saw him play at Ole Miss. But once you saw him in... He, he always looked stiff to me. See, but I, I he thought... He never looked... I mean, you know, A.J. doesn't look... Uh, Laquan, A.J. Uh, Moncrief. If you're mentioning some of the most recent ones. Yeah, I just, you know, to me, Malik Heath looks more fluid and more like a dude as far as the way he runs and runs routes than than Mingo. Yeah, but I didn't think Mo I didn't think Mingo was trying to be like Malik Heath. I thought he was trying to be more like DK. You know, like big physical tall receiver that goes up and gets it will beat you on a fade. That's what I thought he was well because his one big game against a terrible team, Vanderbilt, that's what he did <laughs> was do fade. So I thought that's what he was going to do for his whole career. I thought he was going to try to be not like Malik Heath or like AJ, but big, you're going to have to chase me down while I catch this football okay. kind of guy. Okay. That's what I thought. But but yeah, and Shea Patterson too. What a shot in the dark. <laughs> I mean, five-star coming in. Here he is, folks. You know, here he comes. And then Jordan. Then we have Jordan Tiamu for a couple of years because Shea Patterson didn't work. He didn't even work out with Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh couldn't even make him work. No. Now, that's a much more conservative run-heavy offense than what y'all mm-hmm. were running under Freeze and Longo. True. Um, I did feel like that the Freeze-Longo offense fit Shea Patterson better than the Michigan thing. And that was when Harbaugh was really... They were really trying to figure it out up there. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, they were still winning games because they're Michigan. They're winning eight, sometimes nine, ten. And we all know he couldn't get past Ohio State. Um, it never looked... I watched several of those games with Shea at Michigan. It never looked right. No. It, it never looked smooth. It never had rhythm. It was almost like Harbaugh was still torn as to what exactly they wanted to do. And I guess because, look, Luganville told me off the air, and I couldn't tell you all this because Ole Miss fans would have immediately just said, Hell State Homer. But he was like, he peaked in 11th grade. I mean, he was who he was going to be. And he can't be that way. Eli Manning and Dak Prescott were not close to what they were going to be in 11th grade or 12th grade, right? And they both sat for a long time, which is actually a good thing. Right. Um, but nobody, want, no parents want their kids to sit this day and age. And then the handler has to, you know, presses everybody to play. And then, and then the, the cool thing to do is transfer. And then all of a sudden you don't really have a home. The fan base doesn't remember you because it's the guys who stay three or four years that are going to be able to come back, True. get jobs, mm-hmm. be, you know, uh, be celebrated. You know, every now and then you'll have a one-off transfer that can do that. But for the most part, it's you need to be somewhere, football, basketball, baseball, for three years. Yeah. Because if, when, when it all ends, I mean, Jake Mangum's not going to have a problem getting a job in the state of Mississippi. Is that fair? No, no. I mean, if Dak needed one, but he's worth four hundred million, so I don't that that's not a good example. Or but some like, of these other guys that you and I have had on recently, mm-hmm. Ben Beckwith, Ben Beckwith, and Ben Brown, right? Both unbelievable SEC linemen. They stayed. People got to know them, and they can work in management, in sales, in construction management, whatever, business development, and have a hell of a career. And leverage their name and make a make a great living. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the Shea thing is fascinating. Somebody on the text line says Bo Bounds was the leader of the Shea Patterson hype machine. 
We rode that. I mean, I saw what old right. I mean, so it was so hyped. We we decided to embrace it and ride it. Um, and then we had him on. We don't do that. Oh, really? We had him on as as a high school senior. Wow. Yeah, he was at uh, IMG. That's right. That's right. He was at the IMG Academy, and we we had him on. I had to go through his dad. It's still funny. I had to talk to his dad. <laughs> it, was, it was interesting. What has that been? I wonder like what he's doing now. What has it been like for for you? And I guess for a lot of older sports fans who remember before there were academies specifically for breeding athletes for college and the pro, like IMG, right? You know, and, and places. Well, like Voluntary and IMG have been for tennis. They've been going for years. Okay, but then it expanded in these sports that you and I are talking about: football, basketball, baseball, softball, golf, soccer. You know, they well they looked at it and they said, oh, "Hold on, parents will pay eighty thousand dollars for tuition." Uh, High school, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we'll bring in specialists, and you know, and then we'll partner with Nike or others that will pump in money into mm-hmm. our facility. I mean, that look Agassi and and all those, you know, uh, both males and females would go through IMG in the eighties. It may have been the seventies too, but in the eighties, it was a tennis factory. Jennifer Capriati. Agassi, Sampras, um, there's a bunch of them that that went through there. Uh, but then what they did, somebody looked at the model and said, "Dude, we can make a lot of money." Because parent, mm-hmm. look at travel ball here. It's a multi billion dollar industry. It's not going anywhere. We have parents listening right now that are getting ready to go do something either today or tomorrow for the weekend: softball, soccer, baseball. You know, because it's it, it's what you have to do, right? Um, so IMG looked at it and said, oh, we can do this in tennis. Let's do it for all the other sports. So they scholarship some people. I don't even know if they get some, they may get some grant money. And then surely to God, they're not a dot org. I would think they're a for-profit, but they may have figured it out. That's what tax attorneys are for. And, um, who knows, right? I mean, I don't know if they're a 501c3 (laughs) or a for-profit. I'm leaning for-profit, but I haven't looked at the the IMG thing enough. I had a friend, his sons went there and played soccer in college. I think Wake Forest and High Point. Um, that's something that I need to do. I need to tour that that whole thing. IMG? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have an athletic director. No doubt. This guy makes probably half a million dollars a year. This is a bona, maybe more. This is a bona fide running a, almost a college. Man, no, it's not. It's uh. The models, I'd have to think of how to really frame it up. It's like a select sports school. Yeah. It's like if select sports yeah. became a school. Yeah. And said but that Shea they... spent his senior year at IMG. Yeah, he did. Did you know that? Yeah, Casey Kelly, Chad Kelly's younger brother, went to IMG also. Did he really? Mm-hmm. And before he went to Ole Miss? From Buffalo to IMG? Yeah. He, yeah, he went to IMG, and I think that was his senior year. He was... Con- because he was kind of just a solid player. Right. He he never turned out to be what people, you know. I didn't know he was highly, was he highly recruited? No, he was just a tight end, but I mean, he was solid. See, I, I would have think that they would be more selective than that. I'm just thinking out loud, though. Maybe he yeah. showed something his junior year that he got on the on the radar. I wonder if they have scouts. I guess I'm G-Dodge. Mm-hmm. We are the Out of Bounds Show. We're brought to you by the amazing ribs and blue plates at Fleetway Market. 
and the Market Cafe in Glugstadt. Dave Bartu at 915, Ross Dellinger at 930.